with no NBA games tomorrow slash today, we're going to be looking at just what's happening in the playoffs, a little bit of a, a roundup, some predictions moving forward. And also, I'm going to go through my all-rookie teams before the official ones are actually announced. Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. To it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are locked on fantasy basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode also brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On and you get $10 off your next order. Um... Normally, I'd be doing a preview of the games for tomorrow, but there's no games tomorrow. And that's probably going to be you know, happen more often here through the playoffs as uh, teams get eliminated. So what I thought I'd do is just sort of give you a, uh, a roundup of where we are in the playoffs, my thoughts for the upcoming series. Uh, and then also just talk about how I would have my two all-rookie teams before those official ones get announced. I'll do that with my all-NBA teams as well. Coming up in the next couple of shows, let's start by talking about where we sit currently with the playoffs and news in the league. I guess the news we all sort of knew coming uh, has uh, has come, has came, and that is that Mike D'Antoni will not be coaching the Houston Rockets next season. This was the last year of his contract. They decided not to extend him earlier in the year, and now that the Rockets have been eliminated by the Lakers in the playoffs, D'Antoni won't be returning to Houston. Again, no one is shocked with that. His name has been linked with Indiana a lot. There's been talk of him going to Philadelphia. I'm pretty confident that he will have a job in the NBA next season, so... Whatever team that is, expect big minutes for the starters. Expect uh, you know, big uh, improvements in offensive production. Don't go overboard, though. A lot of people go, oh, D'Antoni's coming in, so some absolute shit kicker is going to start putting up big numbers. That isn't necessarily what happens, but there's always going to be changes, and that is always going to be something we pay attention to, depending on what team D'Antoni ends up on. So he is another one. Now, in terms of yeah, favorability of that Rockets uh, situation, I'm not sure it's that high. Tillman Fratita, not the best owner in the NBA, uh, not the worst, but not far off it. Um, yeah, money-saving moves continually. I don't think Daryl Morey is going to be in that job all that much longer, to be honest. I think he'll look to get out of Houston as well pretty soon. They've got James Harden, of course, who is really, really good. They've made the playoffs eight straight seasons. They, they can't seem to get over that hump and pass the Western Conference Finals. But there is still too much slander regarding the Rockets because they have been really successful since they acquired James Harden. Part of the problem is that Russell Westbrook is shit now, and his contract is absolutely an albatross. 40 plus million for the next three years, which makes it almost impossible to trade him. They've got no good young players. They've given up a lot of draft picks. So the situation is not great in Houston for future years. So who that next coach is, plus a tight ass owner, is going to make it relatively difficult for them to be overly successful, you would think, as a new coach coming in. Let's have a look at what we've got left, though, in the NBA. Let's go to the Eastern Conference Finals, Boston and Miami. Um, really interesting matchup here. Of course, the, the difference between the opponents, uh, Toronto and Milwaukee, versus what they now face each other, Boston and Miami, with, the, with the, themselves in these uh, in the season conference finals, is quite stark. 
The Heat uh, bludgeoned the Pacers, 4-1 against the Bucks. really, really looking strong, whilst the Celtics, a seven-gamer, a really classic and tiring seven-game series against Toronto. Does that give the Heat an edge because their games have been significantly easier so far? Maybe. I still think that Boston will get this uh, will get this series. I'm not riding the heat off by any stretch. I think there's a massive chance it goes to seven. I reckon probably Boston gets it in six is my official prediction at this point. But Miami in six, Miami in seven, Boston in seven are all almost equally as likely. Gordon Haywood doesn't look like he'll be ready for game one, but should return at some point during this series, which only helps Boston's chances as well. So that is going to be a, a pretty oh, very interesting series to see the number three and the number five seed in the uh, in the Eastern Conference. Potentially one of those two is going to move into the NBA Finals. And we always hear, you know, the ones and the two seeds, the NBA, it's predetermined and no upsets happen, all that sort of stuff. Well, that's obviously bullshit in the East. We talked about the Western Conference probably being a little bit stronger up top, but the actual value between one to six in the Eastern Conference was probably stronger than the West in terms of just just the overall um, competitiveness and evenness. And I think that's uh, been borne out that way with the three and the five seed making it through to the Eastern Conference Finals. In the West, the Lakers dispatched the Houston Rockets. So they're through to the number one, uh, to the Western Conference Finals. Their opponent has yet to be determined because the Nuggets, who are down 3-1 to the LA Clippers, have now evened the series three games apiece and move on to another Game 7. They came down against the Jazz through from 3-1 down to win that series. They've been 3-1 down against the Clippers, and now they're in another Game 7 because Nicole Jokic has been ridiculously good. The Nuggets were down a huge amount against the Clippers in Game 6 and ended up winning by a huge amount. It was a phenomenal turnaround, and now we get to see what the Clippers are made of. We get to see what the Nuggets can do, and I cannot wait for Game 7. It's going to be super interesting. We'll talk about that one in tomorrow's show. I probably think the Clippers get it done, but I, I reckon it's like 51-49 at this stage as to who's going to get that victory. I cannot wait for that game seven. Whoever it is, you think the Lakers are going to be favorites against them in the Western Conference Finals. If it's the Clippers that make it through, uh, I give them a little bit more of a chance than the Nuggets. But how hard is it to write off the Nuggets at this point? It's almost impossible given what they continue to do. I think the Lakers, uh, Clippers will probably go seven. Lakers, Nuggets probably go six. But really, any sort of result is uh, is open at the moment. Anything can happen. There is no guarantee. I wouldn't say the Lakers are going to you know, stomp whoever they play in the Western Conference Finals. I think we're going to get two really, really strong Conference Finals matchups coming up. And I, for one, cannot wait. I also cannot wait to talk about our next sponsor who has been fantastic. And it's great for all of you guys out there because talking about erectile dysfunction, it, it's not easy. It, it can be hard. I, I know. I used to be a pharmacist. I used to have to have conversations like this with patients and plenty of people would avoid it. But now we cannot, we don't have to just you know, brush it off. You know, it's uh, I've lost my mojo. It's a bad day. I'm stressed. I'm tired. A hard day at work. Erectile dysfunction is a real medical condition. And now with Roman, it's easy to talk about. You get a real healthcare professional who can prescribe you real medication, simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for erectile dysfunction, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Getting started is simple. Just go to getroman.com slash LockedOnNBA and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there is Roman. Go to getroman.com slash LockedOnNBA today. And if approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's getroman.com slash LockedOnNBA. Getroman.com slash LockedOnNBA.
Now what I wanted to talk about is the all-rookie teams, which haven't been announced at this point. We've got the Rookie of the Year, of course, with Kendrick, uh, Kendrick oh, Jesus, with Char Morant winning Rookie of the Year. And now we're going to do the all-rookie teams. There's two all-rookie teams, and they are not position-based. It's not two guards, two forwards, and a center. It's not two guards, three forwards. It's just the best five players, and then the next best five players. So I'm going to go throw out my uh, all-rookie teams. You can debate those in the comments or on Twitter, and we'll see how it looks versus the actual teams when they come out. So on my all-rookie first team, uh, John Morant, Zion Williamson, I don't think anyone has any debate about that. And remember, the production of these players was before the restart in the bubble. Before those games, Jar averaged 17 and a half with seven assists. He shot really a remarkable 49% from the field, <clears throat> which included 37% from three. Now, he only took two and a half threes a game, which is not a high volume, made under one three a game. And that is the real concern with him. Can he get that three point volume up? And the defensive stats were limited, but I think he can become a 20 and eight guy at some point. We just need to get 1.8 threes, we need to get 1.5 steals before he really elevates himself. But he is on the all-rookie team, as is Zion Williamson, who played under 30 minutes and averaged 24 and 7 with 59% from the field, a true shooting of 62. Now, his free throw shooting was shithouse, 65%. Eight attempts is encouraging, but in a negative way, I guess, from a free throw percentage for fantasy point of view. He did nothing else. He hit four threes in one game, and I don't think he hit another one for the rest of the season. He didn't get the steals and blocks like we saw him get in absolute bunches in college. It just didn't happen in the NBA. The assists were down. Super efficient scorer. Okay rebounder, but a lot of holes still in his game. Rebounds, uh, sorry, assists, steals, blocks. We need those to increase. We need the free throws to increase. We need the rebounds to get up to the high level they were in college as well if he's going to even sniff that top 20. But the scoring was obviously ridiculous for Zion Williamson in his first year, 19 games. And he struggled when he got to the bubble as well. Of course, he had the personal issue where he had to leave and miss training camp. And then the minutes were all over the shop for him. Hopefully, he gets a fresh run at it next season and we get to see 32 minutes with Zion. And he averages, you know, if he averaged 27 and 8 next season, Zion, I wouldn't be surprised. Just what else comes with that will be the determining factor as to where he is from a fantasy point of view. The rest of the uh, all-rookie first team for me, I do have Kendrick Nunn on there, even though he has been marginalized in the playoffs, and I don't really think he's a good long-term prospect. He was good because he was giving big opportunities in the regular season. 30 minutes a game, 15 and a half points, only three and a half assists as a starting point guard is pretty bad, but he did hit over two threes per game. He was an 84% shooter from the line, but there are a lot of indicators there which make me think, oh, I'm not so sure about this. One and a half free throw attempts per game is really poor. 0.8 steals is poor. 2.7 rebounds is also poor. And 3.4 assists as a starting point guard is not great. None was the 125th ranked player all season. Um, and a lot of these minutes came with injuries to Goran Dragic, limited play from Goran Dragic, Jimmy Butler injuries, Tyler Hero injuries. So many guys in and out of the lineup that enabled none to continue to get big minutes. And we've seen when everyone's healthy, he just isn't that guy for Miami. Now, Goran Dragic could go in, in free agency and none maybe gets that role. I just don't think you want to rely upon him as a starting point guard. He's already 25 years of age as well. So he is not young at all. Um, so I, I don't view him very highly, but based on what he did in the regular season, which is what the rookie of the year and all rookie teams are based on, that none 
uh, who absolutely should not have been second place in Rookie of the Year. Let's get that, let's get that straight. But Nunn was a deserving member of my all-rookie first team, as was Brandon Clark, who averaged only 12 points, but six rebounds, 62% and 79 for a true shooting, 79 from the line for a true shooting of 67%. 40% on threes, limited attempts, only one per game, but a guy that just made winning plays. Now, is his future as a starter? Maybe. Or is he more destined to be a Taj Gibson sort of a player, a guy that through the peak of his career was a 27, 28 minute a night, sixth man, big man who closes games? I could see that more for Clark. He, like Zion, didn't bring his unbelievable defensive skills or stats from college through to the NBA. Half a steal and 0.8 blocks is pretty poor. And we'd hope for more than that from a guy like uh, like Clarkie. Um, but the efficiency was there. I think he can improve. But really watching those defensive numbers is what make, makes or breaks him from being a top 100 player. He was 103rd this year versus a top 40 player. Because if he plays 28 minutes and we get the defensive numbers back up, he's a top 40 player, no doubt about it. He shows that one of these, one of the best floater finisher players in the NBA. Really strong defensive guy, king of plus minus. If we and the efficiency is through the roof, if we get the defensive numbers, then he really pushes for it. So I think there is a relatively bright future. But if I'm going to shit, shit on none for being 25, uh, Clark's not the uh, not the youngest either. You're just mad because your ass is old. He's 24. Uh, that's not the oldest. It's obviously still one year younger than none, but it is still a concern as to where his development goes. But I think he can be a starter in a couple of years' time. Probably not next year, but maybe the year after. And the last spot on my all-rookie team, those four were pretty clear for me for the first team. This one I debated, but I did end up going with Paul Washington Jr., Started out the season unbelievably hot against the Bulls, hit a ton of threes. And this is a guy that just didn't shoot threes like that in college at all. It did start to cool off. And in the end, he played just 30 minutes a night, 12 and 5, 0.8 blocks only, had a true shooting, which is pretty miserable for a big man of 55%. Shot 37% on his threes, four attempts per game, which was a big improvement from where we expected him to be. But poor free throw shooter. I just worry about where those three-pointers go. Yeah, can he do more defensively? Can he do more offensively? Really encouraging start to his rookie season. I think they should yeah, look to him as their starting center of the future. I think he's probably better as a center than a power forward. But I don't think he's quite as good as what we would, uh, you know, the beginning of the season would tell you. He did drop off quite a bit. And in the end, he ended the year as the 142nd ranked fantasy player. And for a guy that started all year and played 30 minutes a night, you would hope that you get a little bit more out of someone like that. The efficiency did really bring him down as well as the lack of defensive numbers. But it's still good enough for me to have him on my all-rookie first team. So all-rookie first team, Ja Morant, Zion Williamson, Kendrick Nunn, Brandon Clark, and PJ Washington. Built Bar is back. The best tasting protein bar ever has returned with six amazing new flavors. This is a bar that tastes just like a candy bar and now more flavors to enjoy. Cookies and cream, cherry barcia, caramel brownie, carrot cake, lemon almond cheesecake, and apple almond crisp are the six new flavors to go along with the 12 originals like banana bread, mint brownie, orange, and coconut. They are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew, and they are great for a health-conscious guy who's looking to lose or maintain their weight. Low-calorie, low-sugar, High protein and high fiber and great if you're on a keto diet as well. 180 calories only in the coconut almond bar and 18 grams of protein. Five grams of sugar. What a great nutritional profile that is. And if you go to builtbar.com right now, use the promo code locked on and you'll get $10 off your next order. Use the promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. 
let's look now at the uh, the second team. And this was really hard because, as I've said before, I think this rookie class was pretty shit. Now, next year's one might actually be worse in terms of top-end talent. Actually, it's much worse in terms of top-end talent. But this one dropped off pretty quickly. And getting this second team was, uh, wasn't easy. So let's start with Kobe White because I do think that Kobe White deserved that spot. Now, he was not good for big chunks of this season. Before the season shut down, he really started to turn it on and became a real go-to scorer. But his overall numbers, he was 197th in fantasy. That's not good. 26 minutes a night, 13 points, 39% from the field, true shooting of under 51%, 35% from three. Now, he got ridiculously hot, but how much do we include the last nine games versus the first 50 games as to what he's like as a shooter? He will improve, but there is got to be some balance there. Like Kendrick Nunn, as a point guard, Assist numbers, horrible. 2.7 assists is bad. 0.7 steals is also bad. Really, really bad. I don't look at him as a point guard player, and that's why I think the Bulls should go after a point guard still, whether that is Killian Hayes or if somehow LaMelo ball force him. That's what they should be doing in the draft. Kobe White is more of an off guard versus a point guard that you want running your offense. He's less of a point guard than, say, someone like a Jamal Murray is. And Murray really only thrives as a point guard because he's got Nikola Jokic next to him. And the Bulls don't have that sort of a player who can be that level of passer. So to me, White is more of a shooting guard than a point guard. And that's going to limit his fantasy upside. Now, he was putting together big scoring nights, and the efficiency really jumped through the roof. But we need those other things to come through for when the scoring isn't that high and when the usage isn't that high because it probably won't maintain that level. But he does deserve this spot on the all-rookie second team. After that, it wasn't easy. I went with Eric Paschal of the uh, the triangle of the Golden State Warriors, 189th ranked player in fantasy, and another one of those guys whose season is probably thought of higher than maybe what it actually was. He played 28 minutes a night. He averaged 14 points, but under five rebounds as a power forward, uh, 0.5 steals, 0.2 blocks, just absolutely no defensive numbers whatsoever. He was pretty efficient. 50% from the field, 77 from the line, but an absolutely putrid 29% from three. He obviously benefited from being literally the number one option on this team at times. And next year, there's going to be Steph. There's going to be Clay. There's going to be Andrew Wiggins. There's going to be the number two pick in the draft if they have that or they trade it. And there's going to be probably a reinvigorated Draymond Green. And he's probably not going to have anywhere near this level of impact and this level of playing time. Can he be a solid rotation piece? Probably. Will he ever be as good as what he was this year? I have some doubts. Again, he is 24 years of age also, so not a player who's super young. But what he did this year in the circumstances he was in, yeah, he deserves a spot on the all-rookie second team. These next three spots, I'm not sure about. Tyler Hero, I got him in there. 27 minutes, 13 points. Um, am I skewed by what he's done in the playoffs and in the bubble seeding games? Maybe, because he's been really, really good. Significantly better in those than what he was in the regular season, where at times he was in danger of losing his rotation spot. He did hit 39% of his threes, but his two-pointers were rough, just 43% there. He had under two assists, and of course, as usual, shit defensive numbers. 0.6 deals, 0.1 blocks, 13 points. I think his role goes up pretty considerably next season, and I think uh, yeah, I've got to have him on here just because yeah, some of these other guys yeah, aren't, aren't anywhere near that level of hero, but strong strong numbers, and again, I probably am swayed a little bit by what happens in the playoffs where he's been really, really good, but his overall regular season wasn't to that level. The next guy on my all-rookie second team, the painter Matisse Thibel, 210th in fantasy, another guy who's a bit older, 23 and a half years of age, under 20 minutes and under five points. So how does that make an all-rookie team? Well, defensively, he was amazing. 
1.4 steals, 0.7 blocks. He did hit 35% of his threes, but his overall shooting numbers were rough. Doesn't get to the line, thankfully, because he doesn't hit him. 41% overall, 1.5 rebounds, 1.2 assists. He does one thing, and that's defense. He does it at an absolutely elite level, but that's all he does. But his impact on a really strong uh, playoff team, even though they got swept in the first round, that was without Ben Simmons, he was an impact player for this team, and he's going to be an impact player moving forward defensively. And he ends up with a two steals, 1.2 block type season. I don't think anyone would be surprised. I think I'd be surprised if he averaged over 11 points a game in a season, but his ability to influence the game defensively is going to give him rotation minutes for a very, very long time to come. And then this last spot, I didn't know what the hell to do with this. Could I have put um, RJ Barrett in there, maybe, but he wasn't that good. Michael Porter's regular season was pretty rough. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, I just don't really see it with him at all. Darius Garland was shit house for most of the year. Um, Rui Hachimura played minutes. Yep, sucked. Realistically, sucked for most of it. Uh, up and down, no three-pointers, no defense. Maybe I'm being harsh on Rui, but in the end, I went with Cam Reddish for this last spot. Now, Reddish was the worst player in the NBA for the first two months of the season, but after that... I thought he was actually pretty impressive. His three-point volume and his defense, something which I talked about ad nauseum for him in the preseason and why I thought he'd be a better fantasy player than Hunter and why there was hope for him because, shit, he couldn't shoot worse than he did at Duke. And we saw him improve there. He was only a 38% shooter overall and 33% from three, which is rough, but 80% from the line over a steal per game. He ran point guard at times. He averaged 11 points, one and a half threes. I thought we saw enough from Reddish to say that he can be at the at the least a seventh man and a guy that can guard multiple positions, can handle the ball, and he's not afraid to take a three and you know, showed significant improvements in his shooting. So I have got him there as my 10th guy on my all-rookie team. So that's it. All-rookie team's done. Morant, Williamson, Nunn, Clark, Washington on the first team. White, Pascal, Hero, Tybal, or Thibel, sorry, and Reddish on the second team. Apologies to Rui Hachimura, Kevin Porter, RJ Barrett, Michael Porter, uh, Darius Garland, DeAndre Hunter, and Kevin, oh, I guess I said Kevin Porter. They're probably the guys, or both Porters, Kevin and Michael Porter. They're probably the guys. Unlikely to miss out, but this is not the strongest crop of rookies. I'll be back tomorrow to look at the two games from Tuesday. Don't forget to subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on YouTube, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.